Welcome to Season 4 of White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life. Let's discuss dreams, rituals, intuition, afterlife, angels, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. Season one featured interviews with some of the world's leading scientists researching consciousness. And season two and three built on that solid foundation by talking to authentic spiritual experts, authors, and practitioners. And the bold theme of this season is truth whatever that means. I hope every episode offers you much needed inspiration, meaning and comfort, and perhaps even a little joy in these challenging times. So, now the scene is set, allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores, to see what magic lies beyond the material. Walking beside me today on White Shores is not just one Ions fellow, but two. Now, if you've followed this podcast, my socials or my books, you'll know that I'm a huge admirer of Ions. That's the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where a team of leading scientists are pushing the boundaries and leading the world in their pioneering research of consciousness, what mystery lies within us and what invisible forces connect us all. Episode two of this season, season four, featured an interview with the research director at IONS, that's Dr. Helena Wabe. And season one of White Shores consisted of interviews with most of her science team there, headed by Dr. Dean Radin, if you want to check those interviews out. My two guests today have been awarded the honour of fellowship at IONS. I love that term, as it always makes me think of Fellowship of the Rings, (laughs) suitable for a podcast called White Shores. Other IONS Fellows include the likes of Dr. Rupert Sheldrake and Dr. Marilyn Schlitz. Now, one of my guests has walked before on White Shores, and her episode remains very popular, with downloads just ever increasing as each day passes, which is as it should be because this remarkably bright lady is an embodiment of expansive thinking and living and being. She's a neuroscientist and co-author of Transcendent Mind, the first book published by the American Psychological Association to consider the very real possibility that the mind can exist separate from the brain and the body. And if that's possible, it makes pre- and afterlife or out-of-body or near-death experiences and other angel experiences possible. She's also one of the world's leading precognition and intuition experts and a time lady in every sense of the word. It was an incredible honour for me to co-author a book with her in 2017, a book called The Premonition Code, The Science of Precognition. That book is a truly unusual collaboration between me, a spiritual author, and a leading scientist. And it might make you smile. 
as you read it, because during the book, I'm constantly scratching my head and asking my guests to help me understand the physics. I'm no scientist, and I hope that approach offers a little light relief. But even though the book is eccentric, it has resonated powerfully and become a real talking point, now translated into several different languages. It even made the front page of the Daily Mail with the bold headline, Neuroscientists says we can see the future in our dreams. And there was also a feature in The Guardian, plus numerous other media. How amazing. And that's what happens when you have the courage to work with scientists. It's all part of my mission to mainstream spirituality, show that science and spirit are not incompatible, and best of all, for a spiritual author like me, it helps eliminate accusations of subjectivity and woo, because my guest may be fascinated by the supernormal and has dedicated her life to researching it, but she is first and foremost a scientist. The integrity, the facts matter more to her than her personal beliefs or proving a mystical point. If you haven't checked out The Premonition Code, you might just want to. Warning, it's utterly unique in its approach, a real one-of-a-kind book. And the free science training that my brilliant guest created to accompany the book at www.thepremonitioncode.com is not for the faint-hearted. Indeed, if you take part in this scientific training to develop your precognitive abilities, not only will you be greeted by fascinating lectures about the possibility of glimpsing potential futures and time travel, you'll become part of a giant international experiment to test the scientific reality of precognition. And best of all, all this training is entirely free. There's also a Telegram group chat that was created for positive precogs doing this training that you can join to share your progress and thoughts with other highly intuitive people. All details can be found on the premonitioncode.com website. And as like so often seeks like, my other Irons fellow guest today is also a truly remarkable soul, super expansive in his thought, his research and his approach. He teaches nationally on the art and science of transformation, expanded human capabilities, self-care and meditation for personal and community growth. He collaborates with frontier world-renowned scientists in creating a world that is founded in interconnectedness, compassion, belonging, thriving and well-being. The project he is currently working on with my other Irons fellow guest is all focused on the power of hope and discovering resilience during challenging times. He is also the highly engaging host of a radio interview show I highly recommend called Radio Awakened. Do check it out as the guests and conversations there will take your breath away. All details about both my guests can be heard in the upcoming interview and also found in the show notes. To return to this episode's theme of hope, and the HOPE Intervention Project my two guests are collaborating on and will explain in more detail in the interview. 
Hope has seemed in short supply this last year due to the pandemic, but there are surefire signs it is still alive and breathing. And my guests offer us reassurance that hope is our best hope, our way forward. The pandemic has been bitter indeed, but it has shone a spotlight on what truly matters in our lives and the hopeful and uniting power of empathy and compassion to heal. This last year has also shone a long overdue light on injustice and marginalisation, as shown in the long overdue rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and now the Asian Lives Matter movement and of course the Me Too movement. In the new, or as I like to call it, now age movement, I've seen signs of real progress in a growing recognition of the need for more cultural diversity and for the voices of women to be heard more. Indeed, I'm thrilled to announce that this year, 2021, the iconic Mind-Body-Spirit Wellbeing Festival, which in pre-pandemic times took place at Olympia every year and has done so for decades and been the highlight of the MBS year in many ways, the festival announced it will do its first ever all-female lineup of spiritual speakers for the festival. With the likes of Shetty, Chopra, McKenna and Tolly often spearheading the mind-body-spirit movement, this feels like true progress. Now all these guys are truly inspired and I don't want to take away from that, but it is progress that the festival recognises the equal power of female spiritual voices to inspire and lead the way. And I'm honoured to say that of the culturally diverse rota of speakers lined up for each day of the festival, I've been asked to launch the festival with my talk on the evening of May the 24th. That's UK time, May the 24th. Be great to see some of you there as it's an online event and for every ticket sold, a tree will be planted. I'll also be donating my fees to a charity very close to my heart, the Samaritans. Anyway, back to my amazing guests. I can't wait for you to hear them talk about the power of hope. And please do stay tuned for a piece of musical hope after their interview. Music unites the creative and logical parts of your brain and can bring you some much-needed inner peace as you listen. The music you will hear shimmers with hope and inner strength. It's a very famous piece. It depicts a sunken cathedral rising defiantly out of the waves and then gently subsiding, but you can still hear the bells ringing beneath the waters, a potent symbol of hope never dying. Even when you feel it is far away, it is always there. It is what lies beneath, waiting for you to connect to it. The music was also the theme tune used for a much-loved meditation in a previous episode of White Shores called Saturday's Angels, if you want to listen to it and connect with that piece of music in that way. It's played, as always, by my son and Royal College of Music scholar Robert, who is kindly producing this podcast. And on that dreamy, high-tide note, it's now time to meet two remarkable spiritual beings. 
I'm going to be a precog here and predict after listening that you will be making friends with optimism again and just feel better about your life, your universe and your everything. Indeed, this episode might just be your only hope prescription. Stay tuned. If you would like to find out more about my books, warning, I'm a serial spiritual writer, as well as my features, media, mission and talks, please do visit www.theresachung.com and subscribe to my newsletter for updates as well as free gifts and incredible stories to your inbox. If you have any questions, insights or stories to share, please email me at my trusty angeltalk710 at aol.com email or message me via my author pages on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. I aim to reply to everyone in due course. Season one of White Shores can be found on the podcast page of my website and all seasons can be found wherever you download your podcasts. Be honoured and grateful if you could leave a review as it helps spread the word that spirit is real. Walking beside me on White Shores today are not one but two very special people. The first is Dr. Julia Mossbridge, a futurist who studies time and the relationship of people to time. I've had the honour of a lifetime to write a book with her called The Premonition Code, The Science of Precognition. And she's one of the most remarkable scientists I know and the most one of the most inspiring people I know as well. She bravely pushes boundaries and if anyone could cross space and time, I think it would be her. In season one of White Shores, way back in 2019, seems like a different time and place, doesn't it? She was a hugely popular guest, so please do check out that episode. She's joined today by Dr. Michael Sapiro, a clinical psychologist and meditation teacher and researcher. Now, Julia and Mike have recently collaborated on the HOPE intervention. Goodness, isn't HOPE what we need more of in the world today? Hello, Julia, and I'll say... Hello, Mike, when he drops in, because he's, he's flying from another meeting. But Julia, being the precog she is, knows that he will be here shortly. So I'm going to start with you, Julia. Hello. Hello, Teresa. It's great to be back. Well, first of all, we can't ignore world events. How are you coping? Right. You're on the other side of the pond there, right? We're in, in the living United and States. breathing every second, I can tell you. <laughs> That's actually breathing. That's how I'm coping. I've been taking long, deep breaths and recognizing that any any time of change, any time of transition, even if it's towards a positive end, you know, in our country, we're moving towards understanding how to, in my opinion, we're moving towards understanding how to share power and how to recognize that we're a very pluralistic society and we have people with very different needs. And so any transition to really meeting the needs of all the different kinds of people in our country is going to be stressful. So um, mostly coping by breathing deeply and remembering that, that this is a transitional time and that that's okay. Brilliant. And you are very accurate in your precognition. Mike is here. Hello, Mike. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Julia, as I said, it's impossible to ignore what's happening in your country at the moment. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I spend a lot of time 
grounding and uh, being in nature so that I can serve my community from a place of peace and equanimity as best as I can. I think that's where I, I start my day and work from that space. You have such a calming voice, Julia, doesn't he? <laughs> I feel I love his voice. I love his meditations. Absolutely. I'm almost like calm. Thank you so much, Mike, because I'm quite frenetic and it's just lovely to hear your calmness. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Now, my listeners will know Juliet. Well, they should do anyway. If you haven't read The Premonition Code, you're missing out on <laughs> a very unique book. But for anyone listening who isn't quite sure who Dr. Julia Mossbridge is, Julia, could you just tell us your story quickly? And then, Mike, could you tell us your story, who you are? I mean, imagine people meeting you for the first time. Mm. Sure. Julia? Um, okay. Hi, person. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> It's nice to meet you. I don't know who you are, but I'll tell you about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, I was, I, I've always been interested in the inside and the outside of human experience, the inside being the brain. And, and that's what drew me to neuroscience. So my training is in cognitive neuroscience, trying to understand sort of the inside of human experience by understanding the biology of it, but also the outside of it. What are the behaviors that, that people do and, and the, and the things that they do in the world. And the same, then, then that sort of turned inside out. And I asked, is the brain really the inside of the experience? Is the inside of the experience really our primary perception of what's happening to us? And so lately, I would say over the last 20 years, I have been asking the question about our primary experience of what it means to be a person and how that relates to love and how especially that relates to time and how time and love are related. So I have a lot of questions, very few answers, and I pursue the questions with colleagues who are committed to various aspects of those questions. And I'm especially recently very interested in people's relationship with their future and past selves and what that means for hope, what that means for the experience of deep, what I like to call deep hope. So that's a that's me in a nutshell. There's <laughs> My a dog. doggy agreed. Um, <laughs> that, I'm so sorry. That's why evenings are difficult. Um, no, just be quiet. You're. It's approving. You know, it's approving. That's really, really an honor. If my, my doggy barks. So. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so when I was w working with you, um, as I said, it was a wonderful experience. You know, it was very much precognition and looking in the future. You're still that way, or have you branched out into other areas? Is that still where your focus mainly is? You know, working with precognition is really important to me and studying it is still very important and other aspects of mental time travel. But it really it really led to thinking about mental time travel in the broader sense. And I noticed that when people started studying their own capacity to use precognition, for the most part, if they were coming from a stable psychological environment, it improved their connection with themselves over time. It, it increased resilience. And so we have a relationship with our future selves, whether we, whether we think we do or not, we, even as simple as, oh, you know, I'm going to stay up late tonight and too bad for that person who has to wake up in the morning. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a simple relationship with your future self and it's sort of adversarial. 
but it is a relationship with your future self. And so actually paying attention to that relationship and nourishing it like you would a friendship with someone else or a love relationship that you wanted to make last, that's that's a powerful healing position to come from. And, and I started to notice that. So lately I've been studying how to help people have that experience uh, with, with or without precognition. It sort of doesn't matter to me. It's can you have the experience of strengthening yourself by connecting over time? And that's what I worked with Mike on with the Time Travel Narratives Project. Oh, we're going to go into that in a minute. I, I love that. Mike, how did you become aware of Dr. Mossbridge? How do you two know each other? And how did you start to collaborate? Uh, we're both fellows at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. We come from a little bit different angles. Uh, her, her really, hers really being a scientific angle and mine being, um, I work primarily as a clinician in the community with people and groups. Um, although the aim for both of us, I think is the same awakening to unconditional love that is in the universe, in our bodies and ourself, um, for the sake of healing and growth. And so uh, we both shared our work in a meeting a few years ago and realized uh, we're doing very similar work um, in terms of um, connecting people to love inside themselves in any direction to heal their past, to heal their present, to heal the future. They're, all those selves are existing in any given moment. And so I gave an, a, an example of a patient I was working with where we went backward in time where she became the loving presence for this part of herself that was traumatized as a young child. And she became the presence in the room where the, her young self was being wounded. And I shared that story. And I think Julie has a similar story. Um, and so we uh, started working together on this project that has been very powerful for me personally and, and to see the changes in the participants uh, in our study. Where did your desire to do this kind of work come from? Because it's very unusual, isn't it? Um, you know, I know it's what you do every day, so mm -hmm. you think it's the norm. But for a lot of people uh -huh. and a lot of listeners for this, they're, they're not deep in that, that world or that kind of research. I'm fascinated by where does that desire, that spark come from to devote your life to this, this kind of study? Um, are you asking me or Julia? Or... No, I'm asking you, Mike, because yeah. I know Julia. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, growing up in a household that... Uh, of, of... I'm surprised she's keeping quiet this long, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Going, Mike. Well, I, I, it's really important see, it, to hear it's happened, story. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Mike's story. No, it's really quiet. important. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. Sorry, Mike. No, it's lovely. I like this. Um, and, and Julia and I had... You know, I was thinking before I got on the show, I used to have weeklier meetings with Julia and it, it was felt like it, better than taking antidepressants, which I don't do, but I, I, I might need them for the current circumstances of that we're all facing, but being with Julia every week was, 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 was great medicine. So I'm really glad to be on the show with her and feel her, feel your presence, Julia, through, through the, through this yeah she should be a prescription shouldn't she but Mike where did your desire well I'm mean, trying to find yeah. out from your family is it was it you born into this was it something you you know when you were studying is that you know where did this desire this, this desire to research these kind of esoteric mystical topics you know come from yeah so it's actually uh, less 
interested in the research, although I'm so grateful to be a part of our team and to do research with Institute of Noetic Sciences and other amazing scientists. But my interest is in the embodiment of these principles. So taking them from a theoretical um, and philosophical into the body themselves. How do I help transmit the truth of unconditional love into people's experience? And it started for me very, very young because I grew up in a Holocaust surviving family. And my mom herself uh, was a war refugee from the Hungarian Revolution in, I believe, 56, 1956. Uh, and, or possibly, yeah. And so she had to escape as a seven year old um, uh, from Hungary to Austria and to get over to the United States. So I grew up in a family that was just um, rich with resiliency, tenacity, and trauma responses. So I had to learn to heal myself in the presence of really thick PTSD response in the household and mm. be as resilient as I could growing up with that around and in me. And so very early on, and I'm speaking 12, 13, 14, you know, I was looking for ways to regulate and nourish myself. And so I found meditation, psychedelics, and just kept going into the experience of unfolding myself in letting the universe hold me in love uh, because my family did their best and I did my best, but I needed something much bigger than that. And so that's where those mystical experiences became uh, profoundly felt in my body. And I've just spent my lifetime um, practicing and then teaching those things. And so it felt natural to step into the realm of science and add what I could as a clinician and healer to the science, uh, to the study of these things. Fascinating. Hearing both your voices, there's such a, as I say, a calm certainty. Um, maybe that's an American thing. I don't know, being a Brit. Do, do you ever doubt what you're doing? I'm just, just finding it interesting. And how do you deal with that? Well, um, Let's see, was that for Mike or can I go ahead? Either, and... either, please, whoever feels, you know, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I said, you know, you're very optimistic Americans yeah. that I know. Um, yeah. It's in your nature. I mean, I'm a cynical Brit. I try not to be. But how, do you ever have moments of maybe I've got this wrong? Because I said the theme of this season is truth. I'm wanting to know um, what you do in your dark moments. <laughs> Okay, this is really important because, um, or at least it seems important to me because, you know, now also in American culture, there's this feeling among, especially among well-educated professional people, that if you're hopeful or happy or confident mm -hmm. that the future will be better, optimistic, that you're not very smart. Yeah. <laughs> you must not be very smart. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that comes from the British idea, like, well, if you're savvy, you know that everything's just crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> and I'd like to say, um, actually, one of the most intelligent things you can do is recognize that there's research showing that the more positive you are and the more confident you are that eventually there will times will be better the better off you are in terms of your well-being. So it's actually very intelligent to say, now, wait a minute, 
I'm consistently spending all my time uh, thinking about how the future will be bad or worse than it is now, which may be the case, you know, but training yourself to say, okay, that may be the case. It may be going way downhill. It may be even worse than it is now. And that really may be the case. But what would it be like for me to remember that in the past things have been better and that it's very likely in the future things will get better? So to use hope, this deep resilience as a bridge between the down times, you know, that life, life is like a graph. You're going on high hills and then low times and then up times, and it's true for everyone. So what about using hope as a bridge where you say, yes, we're in a downtime. When does but by gum, you know, I, I think I know things will get better. So I think it's, I think it's a practice skill. Absolutely. And that's what I want to talk about the hope intervention in a minute. I'm going to ask Mike about that. I'm just going to ask you though, when does hope become delusion? <laughs> right. You know, because as I say, you know, the power of positive thinking, we've seen it embodied in your former president. Yes. You know, the absolutely belief that what I say and what I believe and what I want and what I hope for is true. Well, there's such an important distinction here because what I'm talking about in terms of hope is not, oh, I have this wish that things are better than they are. Um, what I'm talking about, I call that shallow hope. That's that's not well-informed. That's ignoring and being in, in a state of denial about what's true around you. If you're locked up in a prison, for instance, and your life is miserable, it's not helpful to say, oh, but really I live on, you know, the planet Mars and I get servants bringing me all, all the food I want every day. Like that's just going to make, that's going to push you further into denial, right? And, and, and depression. So what's helpful is to acknowledge what's really true. Like I'm living in a prison and my life is really horrible. That's, that's the first step of deep hope. In fact, there's a wonderful book called Learned Hopefulness by Dan Tomasulo at uh, Columbia University in New York. And what he says is hope is the only positive emotion that requires the acknowledgement of negative emotions to exist. You can't have real deep hope without acknowledging there's a reason for you to need hope right now. And I so... That's very different from, oh, I wish I was, you know, I could fly. This really makes sense. Thank you so much for that. That's really helped sort things out for me. Thank you, Julia. Good, good. Um, and hope, you know, it's, it's, it's divine. It's, you know, it's what we, we, we all need, the whole world needs right now, especially right now. Mike, can you tell us about Hope Intervention, how it was formed, what it is? Just could you just share with the listeners what what the hope intervention is, please? Yeah, it's it's an intervention that allows us to connect really deeply, actually, to the world around us and become a bigger part of the picture than just the narrow, constricted version of ourself that we usually fall into worries and despair. I know that's the more um, lofty, big version of it. But for me, really, the hope intervention is a, a process for us to connect to something much greater and bigger, um, not to avoid what we're experiencing, not to bypass it, but that we end up seeing that we're going to be okay in the end because we are connected to something so much greater. And that is ultimately unconditional love. And it's very hard 
to, to touch that when we're stuck in such a constricted kind of identity as Mike is just this thing. He's going through this thing and it sucks and his body hurts. If I was just stuck there all the time, I would be miserable all the time. I'd be anxious and in despair uh, because there's so much suffering we're, we can we can live through in our lives because of this narrow kind of restricted sense of self. The hope intervention ultimately exposes us to something much greater and wider. But, you know, literally, what is it? It's us learning how to have a relationship with ourselves in the past, looking back with compassion and love and learning to tend and be nurture uh, nurturers to that part of ourselves that really was wounded. It's it's looking forward and visualizing the best of ourselves moving forward, the wise, uh, more experienced version of ourself that looks back from the future and saying, hey, you're going to get through this. You're going to work through this. And I'm already through it and I'm fine. And so I believe you can get through it. And then it's this bolstered sense of self that we have now through time. So it's looking back with compassion and love and connecting to this future self that is really uh, wise, empowered, emboldened, and then we can step into that version of ourself. Literally, I ask patients and clients to step into that self, try that self on. How does it feel to feel confident, empowered, wise? Um, and then that stretches our sense of self out beyond just the present moment where we may be stuck in a very small sense of ourself. And then we have this technology that Julie and the team have developed to help us kind of create this relationship with ourselves, And Julie can speak to the technology part of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, please. So if people wanted to find out about it and sign up or take part, is it still running? Is it how, how can they do that? We are in the in-between phases. So um, we just finished the, the pilot study, which showed that people are really having positive experiences with the technology and then we're growing the technology and we will release it for free um, on the website, timemachine.love. So yeah, timemachine.love using a time that. machine. Isn't that cool? <laughs> love and time. You've always been about love and time, Julia. That's, that's beautiful. And the technology, please tell me about that. I'm fascinated. What, what, what technology? Well, it's simple. It's, um, it's remarkably simple and it doesn't sound like much, but it turns out to really impact people in a very positive way. So the technology we tested started with a focus group where Mike and I would talk to people about, I would talk about the science of hope and he would bring people through a beautiful meditation to connect with the past and future parts of ourselves. And then we told people about the rules of the study and they, for 26 days, interacted with this website that allowed them to record a message to their future self. And then the next day, they would listen to the message and record a new message to their future self. Very simple stuff. Profoundly impactful. It's almost That's... like stringing along little messages to yourself. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's so profoundly simple, but brilliant, mm. isn't it? Just to record a message to yourself, talk to your tomorrow. Well, and, then, and users can, I mean, people, we talked to people in the study who were disappointed that it was ending. And we said, look, just record a text message. You know, you can record a verbal text message, send it to yourself and get in the habit of listening to it the next day and keep doing that until we get the technology out there that makes it easier because we're going to add things like meditations and record your own meditation and little resources and things like that. So, so people will be able to access this. 
um yeah is an app or, or a website how 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 It'll be a website that can be changed into what's called um, a portable web application. So it'll look like an app on your phone, but also you can get to it via the internet. I think everyone should be prescribed that yeah. right now. I mean, hope is 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 diminishing, isn't it? People yeah. need it more more than ever. I mean, especially over here in the UK, we need it too. We're not having a great time no. <laughs> right now. Um um, but is that the same as the time travel dialogues, or is that different? The time travel dialogues are they part of Hope in- Intervention or, or separate? Yep, there. Uh, well, there was a, we did an original Hope Intervention, which was a fourteen uh, class webinar, which you can find if you go to loveandtime.org. Love and time dot org. Yeah, yeah, and you can look at Hope Intervention, or you could go to Mike's website. Right. Mike, what's your website? MichaelSapiro.com. and um, it has the link to our. 14 day, 14 week hope intervention, which can be found on YouTube. And uh, yeah, they're totally free. It's totally free. Mm-hmm. So, and this, this is your focus at the moment, what you're focusing on. I, I'm, I know you, Julia, you're probably doing loads of things. Are you doing working on other projects as well? Yes, of course. Always. <laughs> and I bet Mike is as well. Yeah. That's my handful. And, um, but really they're all the central theme and I say this in all my meetings, is, is about love. Uh, the felt sense of it around us, within us. I think why this intervention has been so powerful and why a simple tool like recording a message to yourself has such profound impact is because we spend so much time looking for validation and love from other people. And we're, most of us are sensitive to rejection, to abandonment. And so we spend a lot of time out of like a base need of survival, really looking toward others to be there for us. And what we find is when we start connecting to ourselves and having our own backs, knowing we're here for ourselves, now we find this sense of strength and empowerment that is not dependent on relationships that are up and down or someone else's mood or state of being. Mm-hmm. We have ourself. Um, and this is, this is not a, an isolated sense of self. This is a sense of self that's interdependent and interconnected to other people and all things, but starts inward here that I know Mike is here for me. I know I'm here for Mike. So Mike can relax because I've got, I've got it. I've got it for you, Mike. I know you're struggling, but I'm here. And that's what protocols like self-compassion are doing, really uh, connecting us to ourselves. So we have our own backs first. Um, so that's that's my take on why this has been so profound, even though it's simple. Why, why, Julia, do you think so many people struggle to to do that for themselves, to take care of themselves, to parent themselves, to be there for themselves? Well, we're really not taught that it's of value to learn how to do this. We're taught that it's important to get exercise and eat well. Um, to get educated. These are things that we sort of know, but there's no priority placed on, you know, how well do you love yourself? Can you learn to love yourself better? And when I say love yourself, and when Mike says love yourself, we're not talking about narcissistic, aren't I amazing? Mm-hmm. Look mm-hmm. at me world. It's the opposite of that. It's, it's this, it's like a, it's almost like a sacred love or an unconditional love, evolutionary love. There have been different names for it, but it's this feeling of like, okay, I am who I am and who I am is okay. Mm-hmm. 
And I forgive mm-hmm. myself for not being perfect because guess what? I'm a person and I'm moving forward into my life, doing the best I can with love for myself. And, and, and when you experience that experience, loving other people becomes not at all effortful. In fact, it's, it's like being a sponge and the extra water just drips from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's just not been a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, you know, it, that's not always been the case. I mean, thousands of years ago, perhaps it might have been more of a priority. But in modern culture, there's this competitiveness and there's this sense of failure and not being yeah. able to live up to things that, that just permeates everything and that needs to be switched around. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe what the world's been through in 2020, you know, a lot of people have gone inward been more contemplative, evaluated what truly matters in their lives, maybe that we will start seeing a shift. I mean, I don't think we can go back to that rat race that was before. We've all changed, I think, so much by the impact of what's happened. Um, I've seen it in people, you know, my colleagues or friends, family members, they're all suddenly evaluating who they are. Um, And that's kind of beautiful in some ways. I don't know if you found that with your people you know and work with. Absolutely, and in mm-hmm. different ways. And some people have adapted um, in ways that are, are very, very difficult for me to understand, but I need to love them. Mm-hmm. And okay. other people have adapted in ways that um, like move them closer to where it's easy for me to love them. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. So just can you t- quickly say what your current, your your this 2021, your, your obviously hope intervention and what you're doing and what, what both of you are going to be focusing on in 2021. What have your, your future selves got in store mm-hmm. for Julia and in store for Mike? My future self in 2021 is really hoping to be of service. I think this is a difficult, um, very difficult time for humanity as a whole. And I'm hoping to find out what I can do with my unique <laughs> let's just say unique um background and and talents what could i do to be of service to to creating more love in the world and and, mm-hmm. and more peace and you mike yeah i seem to always dedicate my life to what i call personal awakening for the sake of collective and planetary transformation and that looks like a lot of different things awakening to our highest potential awakening to the need to care and be tender to ourselves. Um, because the more we do that, the, the greater positive impact we have on our communities, nation, and the, and the world. So, you know, the projects I'm working on are all geared toward personal awakening, increasing a sense of uh, love for each other, the world, the earth, animals. I continuously dedicate myself to practice every day. I have teachers I check in with and practices that I'm learning, um, working at a ketamine clinic. So I'm still on that, trying to be in the frontier edge of science, psychology, and spirituality. And just doing a lot of projects that fill my soul up and getting out into nature as much as I can. A lot of cross-country skiing and watching my dog run through the snow. That fills me up with joy and a lot of laughter. Do you know, you two are just... Oh, I don't know. Awesome. 
And um, I don't say that lightly because I'm getting quite cynical and critical in my old age. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I really, I know that you are because I started this um, podcast sort of all huddled up trying to make everything right with the technology. And I'm now realizing I'm sitting so straight, <laughs> right? My shoulders are back. And it just happened whilst you were talking to me, both of you. I think my body was just saying, Teresa, pull up. <laughs> so uh, you, you've just given us a big spiritual uplift. I know everyone listening will be uplifted and I can't mm. thank you enough. Can you just recap the, the websites that people can find out about Hope Intervention and about you both? And then I've got one, uh, one or two cheeky questions to ask before you go. <laughs> So you can go to loveandtime.org. Or Michael Sapiro, S-A-P-I-R-O.com. Brilliant. I hope everybody does because I love that each podcast that people have something to research, somebody, mm -hmm. something new to discover. That's the whole point of this podcast because that's what's happening. People are finding out about things and you know, people that they may not be aware of, whatever. I really hope you check these two icons out. That's what they are. They really are um, both Ion's fellows as well. And you know how much I, I, I um, um, respect the work of Ion's. I'm just going to finish with two questions. Um, Julie and I both share musical sons, don't we? Yeah. And um, <laughs> with the guests for, for season four of White Shores... <clears throat> I'm trying to create an orchestra, so I'm asking each guest if they could be a musical instrument, what would it be and why? Because I, I do believe that music speaks mm -hmm. words that it says what words can't, and it's language of spirit um, of the unseen. So, Julia, first of all, if you could be a musical instrument, what would it be and why? It would be a tambourine. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Because, triangle. Oh, because anyone, <laughs> anyone can play a tambourine and it's a delightful to play a tambourine and it makes a loud and a percussive sound but also slightly melodic and uh you know anyone could do it a two-year-old could do it brilliant hmm. mike well i'm actually a professional guitar player and um, oh we have a guitar wow. yeah I, I do other instruments but professionally guitar so the reason i would choose a guitar because i would love to be touched the way that i play my guitar like i'd love to feel what it would be like to have such dy dynamic tender aggressive all, all those different emotions coming through and so i guess i'd like to be touched the way i touch my guitar so would you standard guitar or electric guitar <laughs> oh, in this case, it would be, it would be an electric guitar for all the different tones and shapes that that you make through the amp and with pedals. But really, the bends are the best. When you bend an electric string, uh, it, it it just it changes time and and space around you. It kind of uh, molds it with that uh, with that bend. So I, I want to be a I want to be a guitar that's bent a lot. I'm just now picturing a tambourine and an electric guitar. It's, it's making me laugh. So, and finally, <laughs> if, if, if you could both give, you know, as I say, I, I do believe that, especially now in, you know, in Britain in the lockdown, we're watching far too much TV, Netflix mm. or whatever. Um, I mean, it's interesting, the impact of all this storytelling on our lives, you mm -hmm. know, because we've all had more time. But is there something uplifting, inspirational or mind-opening that you could recommend for people to watch because mm -hmm. it's great to have recommendations because there's a lot of rubbish out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Could I switch it to something to listen to? 
Listen to? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Um, Apart from cre- White Shores, of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> I created something called a Hope Technology Playlist on Spotify. So it's Ooh. publicly available and it's curating a bunch of songs, different types of songs that seem to increase hope. So you can just go to Spotify and look for Hope Technology Playlist. Hope Technology Playlist. Thank you, Julie. And you can close your eyes and you can visualize, which mm. is a much more proactive way, isn't it, to to be entertained. Mike, <laughs> how about you? Yeah. <laughs> Mike? Well, there's a show on Amazon that I've seen four times the whole thing through. It's called Undone. Not Breaking Bad, is it? No, no. I have, that's a lot of TV watching if I did that four times through. <laughs> I watched it. That's what the pandemic did to me. It was really... <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool, Go though. On. I love that show. There's something, there's something good about watching someone Breaking Ooh. Bad, actually, and seeing the unfolding of that process. Um, but the show is called Undone. And it's one season long on Amazon. And it's about somebody's uh, experience with spiritual emergence. What is the fine line between psychosis and spiritual emergence? And how does someone navigate that as they're finding new, um, new abilities and new powers within themselves as they're crossing over into the spirit world? It's really brilliant. Wow. Who's in it? Do you know? Uh, well, it... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I forgot the actor's names. Bob something something, and he's also in Breaking Bad as the lawyer. Um, but it's an animated series, and the animation itself is brilliant because it it looks like real people that have the animated kind of drawn, uh, cartoonish version of themselves overlaid on top of them. Um, and it really gum, comes in and out of the dream world and reality, and uh-huh. it's hard to differentiate sometimes. So that's that's where I also work in that realm. Um, so definitely recommend that. And I, I want to get the writer on my radio show, but I'm struggling to find how to get that. So pass over that uh, contact if you ever, any listener. I will. I'm done. I haven't yeah. seen it. I will. It's on my must see. I'm surprised neither of you did, didn't say soul. Oh, beautiful. Soul. Yeah. Yeah. That's- did you watch that, Julia? No, it's on my list. That's why I didn't say it is because I don't know. So you think it's wonderful? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just so, yeah. you know, it's just wonderful, isn't it? Disney Pixar taking these big, big themes about life's meaning. And uh, yes, it's, it is beautiful. Yeah. Especially, you know, mm-hmm. I know I love music and music plays a part in it. And all these ideas about pre-life, mm-hmm. life after death. It's, it's, it's just wonderful that kids are being introduced to these big, big themes now. It would have been um, unheard of, wouldn't it? 20 years ago and I'm sure it's because of the work of what you know you guys are doing girls girls and guys what you're doing well and perhaps because of what you're doing Teresa I mean you have you have I don't know how many books about this that have been changing the world Mm. well I'm a serial writer yes um (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing what I can but I just think you know it's just um I just it just felt it's mainstreaming what you to, to talk about mm. and teach and research and and, and dev- devoted your life to that's why um it's just wonderful and it released it on christmas day i believe as well mm. didn't they i think so yeah, yeah on that friday that's right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i have to check it out it sounds mm-hmm. great oh it's beautiful oh like you two thank you so much thank you from my heart um i feel a real sense of connection to you and i'm grateful for that and i hope everyone listening um checks these two wonderful people out thank you so much 
Thank Thanks, you. Teresa. Thank you from my heart for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind and compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help the world heal. Thank you to Clan Ree for the blissful episode music and do check out the show notes for all details about this episode and my contact details. I'm going to say goodbye for now with a musical or literary offering, a piece of heaven for you to take away and store in your heart as you return refreshed to your one precious life. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude.